3: What's up, everybody? (laughs) All right. Welcome to Love It or Leave It. The team is back in L.A. and we return from our long and winding journey like Odysseus, wondering who's been fucking our wives. We've got a great show for you. Benny Safdie is here to chat and make me uncomfortable. Probably. Not that that's hard to do, but he's good at it. Mackenzie Goodwin and Rachel Scanlon, a.k.a. the two dykes of two dykes and a mic, are going to look back at the Suffolk news of 2023, which I'm not super plugged into, to be honest. (laughs) Ryan Grimm wrote a book about the squad, so we're going to find out who they are, and the hilarious Zaynab Johnson, who is one of 12 siblings, will help me decide who's the best sibling of all, plus the rant wheel. (laughs) But first, let's get into it. What a week. On Wednesday, former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy announced that he will not be seeking re-election and will be retiring at the end of December. McCarthy said he looks forward to spending more time with his family, elbowing them in the kidneys. Stay strong, my friend, said disgraced former Representative George Santos in a cameo McCarthy bought when he was drunk. Patrick McHenry, the temporary Speaker of the House before Mike Johnson, also announced this week that he'll retire at the end of his term, said McHenry, I look forward to spending more time with my temporary family. It's the same joke twice. Twice. Meanwhile, Doug Burgum, yep, who, ended his bid for the 2024 presidential nomination this week, days before the Republican debate. So let us pay homage to a man who gave us so many incredible moments on the campaign trail. Mm Congressman James Comer accused President Biden of being on China's payroll based on payments between Hunter Biden's law firm and Joe Biden, despite the fact that the payments are already publicly on the record and documented as being loan repayments for Hunter's truck. Comer said that the three payments of $1,380 prove a direct link from China to Joe Biden, as Hunter's law firm had previously done work with the Chinese companies. I know that every time I see $4,140, I think, man, whoever's got this kind of money must be an international spy. (laughs) there chairman Comer goes again reheating what is old as new to try to revive his sham of an investigation hunter's lawyer said in a statement the truth is hunter's father helped him when hunter was struggling financially and due to his addiction and could not secure credit to finance a truck when hunter was able to he repaid his father back and took over the payments himself that's why that's why the the money changed hands all it's all documented they're getting pretty close. If Republicans can just remind voters just a few more times about what a loving father Joe Biden is, his re-election is, uh, toast. Awkwardly, <laughs> awkwardly paying your 81-year-old father back for a car loan he gave you because you ruined your credit doing coke is culturally how white men show their affection. <laughs> what are Republicans going to uncover next? Joe venmo Hunter some money to buy Gatorade when he had a hangover? Oh no, the memo line was, I love you, son. <laughs> I'm sure this is what I would say if it was Eric Rodon Jr. Last month, an RFK Jr. spokesperson told Newsweek that the presidential hopeful had flown but once on Jeffrey Epstein's plane with his second wife-to-be, Mary Richardson Kennedy, in 1993. The couple said nothing was inappropriate, unusual about the flight, except that the entire flight crew was in some sort of air travel training program called high school. During an interview with Fox News this week, there's, a, there's something that happens where when you guys do an ooh, Brian does a like a... An impish little gil- little titter <laughs> that you hear underneath. During an interview with Fox News this week, however, RFK Jr. told Jesse Waters that it was actually two separate flights, one of which was a fossil hunting trip. My wife had some kind of relationship with Glenn Maxwell, and... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All joking aside, RFK Jr. should have known better than to bring kids on Jeffrey Epstein's plane. That's Jeffrey Epstein's job. <laughs> At a fundraising event Tuesday, President Biden acknowledged, if Trump wasn't running, I'm not sure I'd be running, adding, we cannot let him win. And given how these two grandpas walk, they definitely should not try running. Two tough walks. Sean Hannity sat down with Donald Trump Tuesday night for a Fox News town hall and tried unsuccessfully to reassure America that Trump definitely, absolutely will not be a dictator if he gets elected again.
0: Do you in any way have any plans whatsoever, if reelected president, to abuse power, to break the law, to use the government to go after people?
3: You mean like they're using right now? So he answers the question with a question. All right. So that's he's he's missed softball. Number one later, Sean Hannity attempted to set up Trump again to say definitively on the record that he would not be a dictator under no circumstances. You are promising America tonight. You would never
0: abuse power as retribution against anybody. Except for day one.
3: This interview is like somebody's passing the ball for an easy layup, and then that person just swallows the basketball. (laughs) Well, Hannity tried to interject and say, No, no, of course he won't be a dictator, Trump laid out his day one dictator plans.
0: He says, You're not gonna be a dictator, are you? I said, No, 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 other than day one. We're closing the border. And we're drilling, drilling, drilling. After that, I'm not a dictator, oh, that, okay? that, that's
3: how- So we have nothing to worry about. <laughs> Trump will be a dictator for one day, get it all out of his system, and that'll be that. Reassured? I know that I am. <laughs> Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville announced Tuesday that he will end his months-long blockade of military promotions, finally clearing the way for hundreds to be approved. There's an important lesson here. Give up. <laughs> John Fetterman bought a George Santos cameo for indicted New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez this week.
0: Hey, Bobby. uh, Look, I don't think I need to tell you, but these people that want to make you get in trouble and want to kick you out and make you run away, you make them put up or shut up. You stand your ground, sir, and don't get bogged down by all the haters out there. Stay strong. Merry
3: Christmas. (laughs) All right. That's enough online time for this week. Call your representatives and tell them to go take a long walk in the woods. I don't know how I feel about the George George Santos cameos because, no, we shouldn't be giving this guy money just because he's entertaining as if it's all reality TV. But at the same time, I've bought several. (laughs) Vice President President Kamala Harris has broken the record for casting the most tie-breaking votes in the Senate's history. Said Harris, today, most tie-breaking votes, tomorrow, world's longest fingernails. That'd be cool. (laughs) In November, Sultan al Jaber of the UAE, who heads the country's state-owned oil company, said there is no science out there or no scenario out there that says the phase-out of fossil fuels is what's going to achieve 1.5, referring to the need to reduce carbon emissions to prevent global average temperatures from rising more than 1.5 degrees Celsius. That's, of course classic for the head of a middle eastern state-run fossil fuel conglomerate one problem he's also chairing the cop 28 global climate summit should a leader of an oil company with a vested interest in increasing carbon emissions run the conference where we try to cut carbon emissions we say yes (laughs) people wear multiple hats i host love it or leave it in my working hours and in my spare time i leave mean comments on love it or leave its videos so the team (laughs) doesn't get complacent george w bush paints and they're pretty good people can be more than one thing New Hampshire Republicans have introduced a 15-day abortion ban. The bill has no exceptions for rape or incest. In other news, New Hampshire has changed its official motto from live free or die to die. The Biden administration has promised $3 billion to help begin construction of a high-speed rail line between Las Vegas and Los Angeles. The rail line will even have a special 6 a.m. Monday departure called the fuck, 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 I'm so fucked. (laughs) Express. New York City will ramp up its use of noise cameras, which work like speed cameras to issue tickets to cars with modified mufflers, loud motorcycles, and excessive honkers. With violations costing between $800 and $2,500. Of course, if you ask me, honkers could never be excessive. (laughs) This guy. (laughs) This guy. This guy knows what I'm talking about. Oh, and let me tell you. Last time I was NYC, I saw a broad on the subway. I can't believe how much of this we left in. A broad on the subway who would have gotten tickets for excessive honkers, if you know what I mean. This guy knows what I'm talking about. You got a loud car. <laughs> now you got a ticket from Mayor Adams. The noise cameras begin recording when they register a sound louder than 85 decibels, roughly as loud as a lawnmower. New Yorkers have protested this decision by the city, given that 85 decibels is lower than the average New Yorker's speaking voice. (laughs) A city council candidate in Rainier, Washington, lost his election by a single vote after failing to vote for himself. (sighs) And we've got somebody to remind Biden to vote for himself, right? There's somebody on that. The candidate, Damian Green, who lost 246 to 247, told the Washington Post that he didn't feel right casting a ballot for himself because it's not about me, it's about the people. Then he just cried and cried and cried. Added Green, I'm not good at tooting my own horn. Green's opponent, Ryan Roth, a landfill manager, told the Post, it just came down to my vote, I guess. Hey, when the guy who runs the landfill is better at tooting his own horn than you, take some horn lessons, you know? Green said he realized during a town hall that he and Roth's politics aligned, saying, I really didn't campaign much just because I knew if either one of us won, the city would win. It was a win-win. So wholesome. Win-win. If only every election could be like this. 2024 is more of a win gulag. (laughs) A house in Arlington, Virginia, exploded on Monday night after police tried to serve a warrant to the occupant who had fired a flare gun from inside the house 30 or 40 times into the neighborhood. Shit. I haven't seen a house this messed up since the House of Freaking Representatives. Oh. This guy knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Time magazine has named Taylor Swift their person of the year. This is part of a negotiated settlement. Swifties are expected to start releasing hostages once the issue hits the newsstands. Kim Kardashian will reportedly star as a high powered divorce lawyer in Ryan Murphy's latest show, A Sexy Adult Procedural. Sexy Adult Procedural? That's how my wife convinces me to get a colonoscopy every year. My God, I love that woman. I don't know. I don't know. Paramount Plus PR reps abruptly ended a BBC interview with Kelsey Grammer about his Frasier reboot after the conversation turned to Grammer's ongoing support for Donald Trump. Grammer reportedly said, A fascist dictatorship... I'm listening. I'm listening. There was a Maris joke we cut. That you would have wanted. All right. According to new lawsuit, Panera's charged lemonade is allegedly responsible for a second death after a 46-year-old man drank three of the extremely caffeinated drinks and went into cardiac arrest. Panera charged lemonade kills once. Shame on Panera. Panera charged lemonade kills twice. Shame on Panera still. (laughs) Interestingly, they call it charged lemonade because it has been charged with involuntary manslaughter. (laughs) And finally, this week, Riz, a slang term that's popular on TikTok, was named 2023 Oxford University Press Word of the Year. And if you're not sure what that means, don't forget to stretch before bed tonight. We come back, a curse conversation.
2: Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. This
3: show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something I need to get off my chest? What is your outlet for working through the things that stress you out? Oh man, you know, I don't know, pushing it down, (laughs) pushing it all the way down, getting it real down deep in there, squishing it, squishing it real tight, fighting through it, (laughs) gotta fight through it, skinny jeans are for dads, fight it, you fight (laughs) it, you push it down, we all carry around different stressors, big and small, (laughs) when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively, not me, not me. I'm running on rails. <laughs> Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Uh, I said to my therapist just yesterday, I just feel like I don't have the the, the attention span right now to focus on some of these longer-term issues. And she's mm-hmm. like, you found a way to say that every session for the past five years. <laughs> If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Everybody needs therapy. You need therapy. I need therapy. Tommy needs therapy. Mm. We all need therapy. Mm-hmm. Visit betterhelp.com slash love it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P slash love it.
1: People think the new fresh fragrances from Glade are fresher than fresh, like artist Angela.
3: We're back! Woo. Joining us now a man I am equal parts wildly jealous of and creatively inspired by. Put your hands together for director, actor, writer, and jack of all trades Benny Safdie. How's it going? It's good to see you. Good to see you too. Thank so you're, you. So you on the you were on the Tonight Show yesterday. Yes, I was. That was fun. This is the same. Well, this is the, this is the afternoon show, right? I <laughs> see. That's that's how he does it. Look at that. Look at his mind turning. Look at it. <laughs> what? No, that was really good. What, you wore bright silver. You were painted head to toe in silver. Was I? To be on The Tonight Show. I was, yes. Do you like attention? Well, it was more,
0: I wanted to see, it was, it was almost like a, um, my mission statement, if you will, was, will people take me seriously if I look like that? Mm-hmm. And the goal was to see if we could just do the interview normally, dressed head to toe in silver. And do you yeah. think you did it normally? I believe I did. I, th- I, I fully forgot towards the end of the segment that I was silver.
3: That was the strangest yeah. part because in the clip I saw, it's
0: unaddressed. Completely unaddressed. <laughs> we addressed it in the beginning because the idea was I did do it. I was out in Rockefeller Center and I was performing for people. Nobody gave me any money, but I got a lot of photos taken with me and that was great. And so I figured afterwards I might as well go on to The Tonight Show. You know, that's cool. Yeah. I love The Curse, by the way. Thank you. It's really great. And I can tell all the people here love it too.
3: <laughs> wow, hundreds of people loved it. Now I can't even so, see back there. So here's what I was thinking about when I was watching The Curse, because I know you really like reality TV. Love it. And I was struck I have a hard time saying love it now. No, it's because it's sorry. on the screen. It's, I, know. It's, I, I it's less, you know. it's just you here's the thing, you don't understand how often the phrase love it is just used in life I know you don't have, you're not constantly hearing your name and turning. Maybe that's why I do all this. Probably. Do it's you like I- attention? <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on. Uh, but no, but here's what I was thinking about when I was watching the curse, because you and Nathan Fielder, actually, you really do this. And I think you creating and not releasing tension like that's a really important part of what you do it's an important part of what he does and reality tv i think part of the magic is you never get more tension than you can handle Mm -hmm. you always get the exact right amount to break at the exact right moment Mm -hmm. to feel good at the end yes so can you talk a little bit about that like you love reality tv which gives you bite the the perfect the perfect serving of tension and then you're like well what if i treated uh, tension the way the the gluttony sin is treated in the movie Seven. Mm-hmm. You know, basically <laughs> create so much tension that then when you get kicked in the stomach, you die. Yes. At the beginning of the film. Wow. You know um, what I'm saying? I do get what you're saying. And I think what it is is there's something, there's a
0: meditative quality to reality television that I really loved, you know, specifically HGTV, I became really obsessed with it. So I would see, like, backsplashes, and it would get me very, like, you'd see them. It was very aspirational. It spoke to the inner, like, idea of the American dream, you know? And as you're going through it. But then what's also interesting is you have a lot of shows where the people on them hate each other. And they're trying as hard as possible to pretend like they like each other, but you can only they're not the best actors you know that's not their job yeah. so you see that come through so that was part of it was like okay what's the reality in that which isn't real but what is the reality in that and then we took it and decided to make a fake reality show in a fake show that is as real as the fake people would want to make it if that makes any sense <laughs> but uh, i guess no no it but... did.
3: hey you tell him it made sense <laughs> so he's a guest here (laughs) he was on the tonight show yesterday (laughs) so essentially
0: i guess there's something also about that feeling of just like that i don't know it's it's weird because i'm not going out of my way to make tension but i'm by nature an anxious person Mm -hmm. and if you thank you um OCD, all that stuff. I think if you're hyper in that place, you can't help but be anxious because all you're thinking about is the 500,000 things that are around you in a specific time. And then if you go about to show that to somebody else, that will then transfer the anxiety onto the viewer. But to me, it's not anxious. So it's not like I'm going out of my way to do anything like that. And then when Nathan and I are together, I am we're both anxious people. So it's like... Times two coming at it from different directions. So,
3: yeah, you are both pretty anxious, huh? Yeah,
0: but we have fun together. See, that's where it all started. We were, we just wanted to be friends, you know, or I, I we met, we mutually liked each other's stuff, and then a friendship came, and then the show came out of that. But specifically with the show, we liked to take the pacing of it was very important. You know, there were episodes of Columbo that we would really watch. Mm-hmm. He sent me one where Columbo kind of walks down a hallway and Dials a phone number on a rotary phone, waits for the dial tone to ring, and then answers. There's a lot of pacing things that you could do before that were like, oh, why can't you just do that now? And I think that's maybe what you're feeling is living in a moment for so long, even though you know what's gonna happen, or you feel like you know what's gonna happen. We're not, you don't know when that moment's going to end and that can feel like it's doing something to your brain.
3: Yeah. Well, no, it is, it does, that's funny because that it does have like um, an old-fashioned pacing, just these long shots yeah. that hang for a really long time. And what I was thinking about when I saw you head to toe in silver, I thought this is a person thinking about how to break through. And, <laughs> but no, but like I mean it, that that uh I feel like, There's Uh, a lot of noise. There is. There's a lot of noise. And I I was thinking about it because uh, I don't know how – I don't know that that, uh, Emma Stone and Nathan Fielder made that mock trailer that was a send-up of that other rom-com immediately and created a whole little cycle about it. And I think that your movies have sometimes been able to break through and have a much bigger impact than movies of that size normally would. And what was striking to me in watching – this show is I was like oh this is this is cutting through the noise and I don't mean it in a kind of commercial way I mean, like oh for me as a viewer I was like oh there is so much prestige TV there is so much you know there are so many movie actors saying for the next three months I'm making a great one part TV show it's like everywhere like there's a fucking Fincher movie I'm like maybe I'll get to it (laughs) A Fincher movie, a Fincher movie, Fincher Green on television. I just referenced it. Yes. I haven't seen it. Why I bother? And it's almost
0: like you're like, I don't even know if I'm gonna find the time. It's crazy. It's
3: crazy. Yes. But, but do you think about that, like how to how, how to how to break through in this environment? Yes, that is the that actually um, one of the
0: kind of edicts that I I would always say is this can't look or sound like anything on television because. I, like you, had been so upset with almost everything that I was seeing because everything kind of looks the same. Everything looks good. Everybody's acting really well. And it was just, but something was kind of bleeding into, everything was the same in a lot of ways. And I think it's less to do with the content and more about how it's kind of getting to you and and the atmosphere at which you take it in. And I think a lot of it has to do with this feeling of, that you were talking about before when you watch a reality show, you kind of sit back and let it just wash over you. And the, there's only so much activeness that that takes. And I guess a lot of these other shows almost kind of come out and do that or they're trying to do something and everything is so good. And when everything is so good and everything is so perfect, which one do you choose,
3: you know? Right. Well, it's a certain it is similar. And but again, like to this. The right amount of tension delivered yeah. the right way, beautifully shot. Like the standard for what we see just on a streaming show, it's just like it's ex- gotten much better. It's just these are glossy, beautiful yeah. shows. But again, that like meet out a certain experiment. And, and to that point, we shot this HD at super high ISO. So it's a, what's a, ISO?
0: What you it's it's basically if you're in low light situations, you crank up the sensor to get the image into the camera. But what that does is it creates a lot of digital noise. So by shooting at HD with this high ISO, the image looks crazy and it's aggressively digital and it's kind of it's beautiful, but it's crummy at the same time. And that shouldn't be on your television set. There's no reason that should be on your television set. So much so that it was so hard to get Showtime to agree to That's let wrong. it be on their television set. Because they're like, it's got to be 4K. And we're like, it is 4K. And they're like, well, how did you shoot it? And we're like, it doesn't matter.
3: <laughs> Speaking of things that are crummy and yet still good, I want to talk about uh, your costuming for the show. Uh <laughs> Can we put the costume in general or Dougie? No, Dougie, okay, your character. Okay. Can we put up a photo of, of this guy? Um, so I would just, if you're, this is an audio show, I would describe Dougie's look as Chad Kroger from Nickelback meets Howard Stern. <laughs> is, that, is that fair? Was that, was that also what fair. you were, were That's you going very for? Very fair, yes.
0: There's also, there's like, there's a little bit of Johnny Depp in there. There's mm. also, um, uh, there's just, there's something about, What I will say is when I put those rings on (laughs) and it wasn't until like two weeks in that I stopped having to look at the picture that told you which ones went on which hand. And once I put them on, though, it almost was like a medieval form of armor. And I went out and I just became a different person. I could walk out. I could, hey, stop right there. Like, you want to use your hands more when you have that stuff. When you're using your phone and you got a thumb ring on there, you're really just like (laughs) sliding up. You want everybody to see it. And so there is this, there's this performative quality to what he's wearing. But it's also, he's not, the clothes aren't wearing him. You know, he is a part, they're all one thing. But What's important about it Is when you see him Like you just said You can immediately think of Oh I know that guy I know exactly who it is I know what he's trying to do I know everything about him But then It becomes Our turn To try and show Something different You know Show an inside to him That you may not have Looked at or prejudged and said, oh, I'm just going to not think this guy's got an inner life because he's so obsessed with his outer appearance that he doesn't have anything in there. But there is a deep sadness in there and he's covering up for it and he's trying his best to make himself happy. You know, there was a scene that we wanted to have in there where he went shopping and as he was shopping, all he wanted was the um, approbation of the person selling him the clothes. He wanted to know if it looked good. He wanted wanted that from them because he wasn't getting it from anybody else because he's so lonely. Anyway, so it's there's a lot that can go into it, but I think it's just about trying
3: to understand people at the at the end of the day. So. Well, so in the first episode, they, Nathan, the, the, the Emma Stone and Nathan Fielder characters, they're they're basically trying to convince themselves and anyone that have listened that they're good people. Yes, we're good people. We're good people, and we we see the dishonesty in that. And then the character you're playing is just a kind of hardened reality show mm-hmm. who's just trying to get his shots. He doesn't give a fuck. He's putting tears... The opening of the show is putting fake tears on and the face of... And menthol to make an old woman with cancer cry because it'll be a better shot. See, when you put it like that, it sounds like a bad thing. No, it, it and it's cool <laughs> in the context of the show. Uh, and, and throughout, it's like, no, no, we're good people and there can be winners without losers. Yes. And they're trying to make a reality show that tells that lie. Can you just talk a little bit about, like, is that what your takeaway is from when you're watching HGTV that like, yes, I get that on reality shows, couples are fighting, divorcing after whatever. Mm-hmm. Personally, like what interests me about it is the lie of the show itself, regardless of the mm-hmm. relationship between the two of them.
0: Well, so then basically as I was watching all of these shows and you kind of you, you they blend together at some point. And it wasn't until I saw the tagline for just HGTV in general that I thought, oh, OK. And I was watching the show, I was watching like, it was one of these shows that doesn't even have a host, it's just a narrator, and it's just people going to different homes. (laughs) And they're they're like, and then they went to this house, which was like, clearly they're not going to pick it, it's some crazy house that looks like a, uh, a troll lives in it or something. And so they see that and they're like, oh, maybe we could put the kids bed here. It's so, so dumb, but fun, and you're loving it. But as then it cuts to the commercial and it's all these like nice fast animations about HGTV, and it says, if you don't like your neighborhood, change it. And I was just like, whoa, rewind. And I was, I couldn't believe that it was actually advocating for
3: what it was advocating for. Is it advocating for you moving to a different neighborhood or is it advocating for changing the neighborhood in which you live? It's advocating for changing the neighborhood
0: you can afford. And huh. that's where I was like, that's. Crazy, because a lot of these places like when we were trying to find the place to to shoot, there is a lot of these major cities with a place just outside of it where the person can't quite afford to live in the city that they want to live in. So they'll go to this other place that isn't necessarily the city they chose, but they're going to renovate the house and they're going to build the place up so that they can live there and feel like they're living in the other place. But what does that do to that city? What does it do to that town? And none of that is talked about ever. So it was just like, okay, you're sitting watching these shows and that's there. It's all there for you to look at. So that was something that we wanted to kind of put into the show and look into as well. Because is it possible to have a world where there's no losers? Like that's – that. I, and, and you see it when it's like – and even even it's like I'll take it to my son's chess, like chess class. Like when he goes to play in a chess tournament and when he would win the no um, – I guess the no score trophy where you just kind of get the trophy – he even knows that he lost, you know, that he knows deep down they gave me this this trophy and it's meaningless to me. You know, yeah, I got a trophy, but
3: I didn't win, you know. So Yeah, when I was in camp, they had to really struggle to find things to put on the plaque for the little soft gay kids. I remember I remember one boy like one boy got um most improved colon nature. Wait. Most improved okay. colon nature. Wow. He just liked to go play with the turtles. Oh, but
0: Oh, it, wa- it wasn't his nature. It was no, actual no, like, nature. like
3: like you would get you would get plaudits for your for successes so in, in various sports. But there's an.
0: It's, I don't know why this popped in my head. There's an amazing book by I think it's Ezra Jack Keats called Pet Show. Do you know this book? No. It's, anyway, it's he, he, he great children's writer, but it's all about pet show. And there's this one kid who wants to bring his cat. The cat runs away, and he's got to come up with a pet. And this is an example where there are no losers. So this is a, maybe. A nice thing to hear. Um, good news for once. So he said, this poor kid, he doesn't have his cat, can't win. He can't go to the pet show because he doesn't have a pet. So he decides, quick thinking, he shows up with a jar. And they say, well, what's your pet's name? And he says, like, Bob. And they said, okay, and what is it? He goes, he's a germ. And they look in the jar. It's an empty jar. And he says, he's got a pet germ. And then they they huddle together and they give him a prize for the world's quietest pet. And he gets the prize. That's but sweet. It was MRSA. It was MRSA. It was. But it was, it was definitely, it was, yeah, I hope it's not that, because that one's got a high death rate. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So he didn't open the jar, though. Yeah, so that's good. Like he didn't open it. But, and then on top of that, the woman, there was an older woman who comes in at the same time, and the cat happened to be standing next to her, and she got the prize for the cat that he didn't get. Anyway, there's actually a lot you can learn from kids' books. You
3: know? <laughs> and they're so short. They are so short. You wanted to be friends with Nathan Fielder? Yes. you watched that show and you thought that's a person I want to have lunch with. That is exactly what I thought. That's it, cool. It, what it was I,
0: I was I so I'd seen his show. I loved the show. And there was it was kind of just I there was so many things that I was watching on it that I felt like a deep connection to and it wasn't really until I saw there were all these ads that were for the blacklist and he was like on the cover of these magazines and they were everywhere and for some reason they bothered me not dissimilar to the thing you brought up earlier mm-hmm. it just bothered me I couldn't quite verbalize it and then next thing I know I saw an ad on the subway for Nathan for you and he it was almost a one to one of this <laughs> same ad and I was just like what are the chances that this guy also is bothered by this thing and so it was just like <laughs> so it just further cemented in my head that we would get along in some way and then he had seen oh, one of our, one of one of the movies and and then we met and we kind of just got along and when i was in la the next time I'm like you know what i'll reach out to nathan and see like have some have some dinner and it was really just like two adults trying to become friends which is very it's weird you know no, you it's hard to do it's hard to it's do because it's a very vulnerable place to be because putting yourself out there and like getting rejected for no reason because it's like you got friends you don't need any more but
3: so right it's almost like the opposite like if you're if you get rejected during a date it's like oh they don't find me physically attractive and that can be painful yes but if you're getting oh rejected God. from a friendship that is horrific it sucks but if you're getting rejected from a friendship it's like no no that's it this is about the core of <laughs> yes
0: this is, that is, i didn't even think about it. i probably wouldn't have even asked if i had thought about that you're right if i'm like okay let's be friends and they they take a good long look through you and they <laughs> see everything and they're just like. That's disgusting. I don't want anything to do with that. You're right. That could give
3: you a huge panic attack. There's something also, as I was, I've, I've watched the first episode and I'm excited to watch more, but what I, what I feel when I'm watching. It, episode two, you learn a lot more about Dougie. And can't wait to find out. Yeah. Well, this yeah. is about LA people. These are LA okay, types. You know what yes. I mean? Like just like, or New York types too, but yeah. like kind of like, this is a show about people making a show, but your people making a show yes. uh, who have met people who make shows that you don't like. Yes. What do you mean? Shows that I don't like. No, no. There's something about the two of them. It's like, oh, I know these people. Okay, I see what you're saying. Like, yeah. Yes, yes. And? No, it just seems funny. I,
0: I don't like them either. Okay. It, 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 so you're, 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 you're saying you see that in the show. Yeah. And you're correct. Nice. <laughs> I guess the thi- it's, it's, it's interesting because the meta quality didn't quite hit until I've seen it out in the world. You know, the fact that we all went down to this area, shot on location, the three of us are there making this show and then making another show within the show. It's like there is a lot that you could unpack about it, but it is truly fictionalized, written, and it was just we didn't want it to feel that way. So that's why that's why we shot it this way. And it's why all these things are done to kind of confuse you in a lot of ways to just feel
3: it, you know, and then once you feel it, you can't shake it. So well, I think it's great. Everybody should watch the curse. Thank you so much, Benny. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. When we come back, we'll look back on a year of dykes. <laughs> that was, thank you to so Benny's house, everybody. Thank you. And we're back. I'm a gay man, so I can call them this. Plus, it's the name of their podcast. Please put your hands together for two dykes and a mic, the hilarious Mackenzie Goodwin and Rachel Scanlett. Come on up, everybody! Hi, Hi. welcome. Is this the right side? Hi. Yeah. Oh, do you have signs? Yeah.
1: Wait. We have, we do have sides. Do you want to switch? No. Wait. Look it. I like you this way. Are you sure? Yeah.
4: But are we gonna have my? There we go. Oh, there. Hi. 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 You, wait, do you have? Do you normally
3: sit in the opposite sides? Yes.
1: Just when we podcast. But, but this now you're feels both facing right. this way. All right. This will work for me.
3: <laughs> Everyone's very excited. You guys, you were coming on the show. Really? Yeah. So you're, um, uh, is, it's, I'm saying it right, Dikes?
1: Yes, yeah. It, yeah. It's usually a little less like a dart coming <laughs> at you, but in Dykes. general, it's yeah. more like kind of cash. Dikes, yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not like say it like not my dad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm sorry. My best friend is so mean, but very attractive. It evens out. You understand? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Soften the D. Yeah. Yikes! Mm-hmm. Yeah. That. Yeah.
1: Did you feel it? Did you feel the yeah. shift?
3: Well, the, I feel like I feel like before I was saying it a little bit like it like um, a part of a water system in the <laughs> Netherlands. Of you know? course, yes. And that's not what it is. No. That oh. this is not. You're not an infrastructure show.
1: Uh, no, no no, well, no, no, no.
3: You're not partially.
1: But we do deal with a lot of wetness. I'd say. Yeah.
4: Hey. <laughs> Hey!
1: We are a science-based
4: podcast. Yeah. Yes. There's actually
1: three tenets of our podcast, if I may. Yeah, please. The first tenet. Science. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we kind of ga- we go out there, we, gra- we gather the data, mm-hmm. we come back, we feed all the young dykes the data. You're right. Number two.
4: It is the queerness of Taylor Swift.
1: Taylor Swift. And number three, I, I want to say MILFs. Yeah, is MILFs kind of, is The love one. of MILFs mm-hmm. are the three tenets that hold up two dykes in a mic. You're
3: right. And that's so important. Could we could, so let's let's talk about. It's a good time to talk about the queerness of mm. Times Person of the Year, right. which I believe is the first time a person, and uh, uh, who is uh, queer, according to the internet. Okay, according yeah, to yeah, the yeah, internet.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, let's say allegedly. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
3: I think it's it's an important milestone mm-hmm. for people's imagination.
1: Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm.
3: Like if in a lot of imaginations yeah. this is the first time there's been a queer time person of the year.
1: Doesn't it feel like queer people on the internet manifested her sexual identity into a being? Yeah. Well,
3: that's the question. Is that what happened or did a lot of people spend too long looking at their phones?
1: <laughs> well, that's or kind two of two I think one, the same thing. Yeah, one led to the other, the other.
3: Right. Wait, where, where, what is your, what is the, does, does, does your podcast have an official position on Taylor's sexual orientation? My official position Go is Go ahead.
4: Yeah. Where there's smoke, there's a flaming gay person. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: My posi- my position yeah. on if Taylor Allison Swift is queer or not.
4: Yeah.
3: Let's hmm. let's let's get to it. Let's, let's cut the fucking shit. I know. Listen, mm-hmm. I didn't know this Let's get to the hard stuff.
4: Gotcha. You, it's it's, it's you, gotcha I, I, Moments
3: it's, earlier, I was told it is one of the core tenets mm-hmm. of your show.
4: Fair. <laughs> <laughs> but this feels like gotcha journal. Yeah, I feel like, <laughs> you, what's going it, on
1: here? Hey. a topic
3: you raise. You know <laughs> we walk off the <laughs>
1: set. <laughs> I know that when I listen to certain music, I can feel- A a closeted alto in me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Feeling awoken. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing certain harmonies. I'm hearing certain storylines about summertime. And I know that I know that feeling. So I will say, this is what I'll say as my official stance. Okay. I will say that her music is sapphic and that woman is seemingly straight. (laughs) Here's my, but like, how
4: many gay people have to say, boy, that woman sounds gay. Right. For you to be
1: like maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes like sometimes I've been I've been I've been tricked by a few straight people though before. I've been tricked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, when you're looking at somebody and they're making love with you and then they're straight. So like there's no way to know.
3: There's no way to know. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I I think I mean Travis Kelsey exists.
1: Yeah. Does he? <laughs> <laughs>
3: right he's in the world that's actually another tenet of our
4: podcast I mean, uh, that he's fake
3: that he doesn't exist <laughs> he's AI that, that, that the Kansas City I believe it's pronounced chefs mm-hmm. is <laughs> the, right that's why they it's, a, bad, it's a barbecue thing yeah. yeah they're
1: cooking up a sport <laughs> yeah, they're cooking up
3: they're cooking up touchdown <laughs>
1: They sure are. They
3: sure are cooking up some. <laughs> hey, hey, come on into the kitchen because we're gonna watch the chefs score some touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, baby. With Travis and all of his buddies. Yeah. All the boys. All the boys mm-hmm. yeah. on the team, the straight boys.
4: I mean <laughs> Here's the thing. Have you ever seen him live? Have you have, ever seen him? Have in you in seen person? him?
3: Have, no, I've never seen him perform. There you go. <laughs> I've watched there I, I seen him on YouTube. You know, it's like it's like I you know, it's like in the same way that like you know, I've never saw like I saw the traveling mm-hmm. wicked. Yeah. Right? Of course. Yeah, honestly. But I've ooh, watched impressive. a lot of different um alphabus on the internet. Mm-hmm. But I've only like that's um that's my relationship with Travis Kelsey. I've seen clips. Understood. But I've never seen him do his thing, yeah. you know, and I I know understand. My understanding of football is that it is about a live experience.
1: Yeah. Right? I have no idea. <laughs> All I know is I like those I like those little butts I like Yeah they got good the butts. butts They're juicy They're very strong mm.
3: They're strong They're feminine
1: butts. Strong butts Strong
3: strong butts And
1: yeah. it tights. tights What's not to like
3: What's not to like That's what Taylor's saying
1: Exa- Listen
4: <laughs> Bi women exist And I do believe She's dating yeah. Travis Kelsey You believe You believe? Yes, yes. obviously yeah.
1: Now okay. that's something We've seen and touched In real life I for sure uh, By woman yeah yeah that's gotta be real
3: <laughs> no I believe I believe listen I want you to, that's a core tenet of this podcast mm-hmm. By women exists yeah, yeah. um <laughs> so wait okay do you want to do um do you want to do the segment yeah kind of okay. Thank you both for joining me for a very special installment of Gay News. Tonight, we'll be taking a look back at 2023 at some very special moments in lesbo history. What we're calling... <laughs> Are you a- saying
1: lesbo? <laughs> wow.
3: It's First of all, just to be clear, yeah. a lesbo wrote this.
1: Okay. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Did a dyke write this?
3: Uh, I don't know who typed it specifically, but a lesbo was definitely in the Google
1: Doc. Okay, great. The, uh... Okay. A lesbo Les- was
4: deaf in the Google Docs.
1: <laughs> Listen, lesbos stay in, in the Google, Google Docs. Docs.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the as I said, we're talking about lesbo history. <laughs> in a segment we're calling a big old Dyke year interview. Taylor Swift.
1: Uh oh! Is that Megan Rapinoe yeah. as a ba- as a baby as the as the, but, ba- as
3: the New Year's baby?
1: It, what's a New Year's baby?
3: That's a New Year's. You know the New Year's baby?
1: No. That
3: every that that the year is represented. That the year. Have that you every, heard of a
1: baby? I sure have. This what it feels is. like we're infantilizing Dykes again. <laughs> oh.
3: Wow! Wow! <laughs> so, famously. There's a baby. Uh-huh. And actually, when you're trying to explain it, it sounds stupid. But <laughs> the, the concept of a year mm-hmm. is represented that, ja- that there's a baby mm-hmm. and an old man.
1: No, yep. I don't like this. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and the baby represents, ooh, it's a new year. And the old man says goodbye to the old year. The year he dies. dies. He dies, he dies at, the at the end of the year. Right? From what? Well, what do you think happens to the New Year's baby?
4: No, no, the baby doesn't die, right?
3: No, the baby becomes the old man. The, new, the baby lives for one year.
1: That's This is fucked. <laughs> if I'm being honest, this is
3: fucked. Year. I didn't make the graphic. I don't uh, like it.
1: <laughs> Wait, I'm so... And I, I won't hyper fixate on this for too much longer. Where did you see... Like, where have I missed this? Is it something you see on your phone or on TV? Is it like the Macy's Day parade? Like,
3: I wh- think it's... Like an intrinsic part of culture that exists,
1: and it just blew right everywhere. On, dykes.
3: Like, yeah, it just blew. Yes. Okay. Yep. Fuck. Yep.
4: It was a seventies cartoon, a it was a 70s oh, cartoon although I young. think it
3: precedes that. I think it's like ancient. I think it's very old. Brian, Google it. It's
1: certainly not ancient. <laughs> <laughs> the cavemen used to.
3: I think it's cool. I don't think. It, I think that like you said, I won't hyper fixate on this, but I think that you couldn't unless you. It doesn't become hyperfixation until you've done it for some time. You know what I'm saying? You fixate on it, and then once it feels like it's time to move on, and you won't. That's when the hyper kicks in, don't you think?
1: I don't think you know what it has felt like in here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's and that's so important. <laughs> Tell, oh, so here's what happens:
1: mm-hmm.
3: we read these news things, yeah. and then after the story mm-hmm. is done, we say we normally would say "but up, 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 up" gay news, but we'll say instead "da da 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 da" dyke news.
1: Fantastic. Is that okay? Oh, I love that.
3: So we got to kick it off news. Oh,
1: well, you didn't give us a chance. And how many are we hitting?
3: Well, we can stop whenever. Okay.
1: Three, two,
3: one. Taylor Swift broke a million hearts this year when she fell in heterosexual love with NFL star Travis Kelsey. With Joe Alwyn, they had a theater waif. With Matt Healy, they could hold on to his gay little haircut for hope. Travis Kelsey is straighter than a Super Bowl Doritos commercial starring Kevin Hart.
4: Listen, no one should even comment on Taylor Swift unless you want to be torn apart by hundreds of desperate, touch-starved queer women. <laughs> and I didn't write this. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, did go- you did very good, though.
4: Thank you so much. Um, and that being said, I thought reputation was overrated.
1: That's Whoa. literally messed up.
4: And I want to say, backstage, Rachel and I were like, we cannot say this.
1: We can't say that. <laughs> the Dikes will rip us apart. I know. Reputation is the best. It's the gayest it's, one. It's the, the sexiest it's the one. It's, it's very so, erotic. Ah,
3: uh, best part of the concert too. Yeah. It's you went. Like, you bet. <gasps>
1: That's your favorite era? Um.
3: No, I'm in Exile. I love Exile. Yeah. Beautiful. I Love Exile. Exile. When I I listen to Exile for that was a song like like I mean hundreds of times mm-hmm. just like yeah. repeat 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 mm-hmm. and uh, then I was better.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Taylor Swift healing the queer community Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
3: I transitioned from Exile to uh, House in Nebraska by Ethel Kane um, Which was moving in a sadder but queer direction If that makes sense to anybody listening And it may not I
1: think those are one and the same
3: You think?
4: Sadder and queer go together
3: Yeah, no, no, it definitely was with the grain for sure
1: (laughs) Was Taylor Swift kind of like your uh, gateway to sadder and queer music? You were like, this isn't enough?
3: Yeah, no, I, it was like, it's like, okay, I've tried that, but like now I need, now I need the hard harder stuff. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. No, I, yeah, that's right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, according to Vanity Fair, they call each other their, by their nicknames Tay and the Yeti. Taylor Swift <laughs> explains that it's all in good fun. And even if I don't understand why he calls me the Yeti. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Tay and the Yeti sounds like a shitty Echo Park wine bar where a hot pretzel costs $18, but whatever gets stray people off. You know?
4: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this has been getting them off.
3: This has been like
4: for a long time.
3: I have to tell you something. Yeah. Uh, when <laughs> Taylor Swift started showing up with Travis Kelsey, the um, the, uh, the, Gaylor yes, the, my, Hedlers. the the
1: Gayler denialists. Yes, the Hetlers.
3: The yeah. Hetlers, a term you know, a term I I love. Yes. Uh, a
1: term they we coined. they
3: became so fucking smug. Yeah. The no. Hetlers have been on a high. This we got to cut my them erasure down. Though yes it is by erasure the whole, is thing, is. The whole yeah. thing is by erasure but you know what's not by erasure uh, Taylor Swift in the Times Person of the Year magazine shoot dressed like fucking Tar yeah uh, no we know have you seen it
1: I didn't, I didn't see it did she look like Lydia Tar
3: I mean a spitting image <laughs> it's, wow it's gonna, it's, it's gonna blow your mind oh, I can't wait it's gonna be great
1: holy moly gay news dyke news sorry okay
4: Subaru unveiled a flying car called the Air Mobility Concept at October's Japan Mobility Show. Let's look at this car. Wow. Ooh. It, okay. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's Jen, the 36-year-old accounts manager with a national parks pass and a complicated
1: relationship with her mother. It... <laughs> <laughs> If you haven't seen it, this thing slaps. It looks like a prop from Dune 2. What are you lesbians doing right now?
3: (laughs) Bachelorette star Gabby Windy came out as queer in August, hard launching a relationship with writer Robbie Hoffman in an Instagram post reading, told you I'm a girl's girl. Turns out her final rose was more of the Georgia O'Keefe variety.
1: (laughs) That rocks. That that was good. (laughs)
3: The Bachelorette. Gay news. Gay news. Are we want to do news?
1: I thought we were doing dyke
3: news.
4: It comes natural because we also have a theme song called
1: Gay News
4: News. You do? Yeah. Let's do yours. Okay, perfect. The Bachelorette is doing the Lord's work. If a woman isn't gay to begin with, she will be after talking to 35 men.
1: That's so true.
3: That's good. That's good.
1: Booksmart star Beanie Feldstein married producer Bonnie Chance Roberts in May in a summer camp-themed wedding. As of yet, no Beanie Babies.
3: Yuck. Iconic. (laughs) We loved it. (laughs)
1: The band Boy Genius, composed of
4: Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridgers, and Lucy Dacus, earned six Grammy nominations for their debut LP, The Record. The only thing left to do is date Love It or Leave It head writer Hallie Kiefer, said the band, in a legally binding contract. (laughs) Wow, you can't make this stuff up. Hey,
3: if you uh, use context clues, you might be able to figure out who the lesbo
4: and the Google dog is. Got her. (laughs) Good 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 gay news news. Incredible.
3: Does it echo on forever? Yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> nice. Two months after splitting from her husband, Sophia Bush was rumored to be dating pro soccer star Ashlyn Harris, who filed for divorce from her wife and fellow soccer pro, Allie Krieger. Some would say that the World Cup runneth over. Nice. Oh, I got,
3: here, I want you to do this one. Can you read mine? I decided I can't do it.
1: okay. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) When asked about it, Harris simply said, what can I say? I love Bush.
3: (laughs) Nice. You did that so much better than I was going to do it.
1: (laughs) Uh, Speaking of soccer, two-time World Cup winner Megan Rapinoe retired this year, playing her final game in November. That's so funny. I was just saying that I wanted Megan Rapinoe to step on me in a pair of cleats, and here it turns out she was actually a soccer player this whole time.
3: (laughs) News news news, 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 news. It's been so nice meeting the two of you.
1: Same. Thank you Look so at much. This. Thank you for having us. I feel like we really connected.
3: Yeah, I think so. Do you think so? Yes. Let's go see the Arrows tour now. Oh, I don't need to see it again.
1: It wasn't long okay. enough in so it. Many- <laughs>
3: <laughs> I would see it again. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Well, should we go now? Yeah. Have you? How many times did you go?
1: No, we just
4: saw the movie together. You saw the movie? Mm-hmm. Wow. That was enough. I needed bathroom breaks. I
1: need... Snacks. Yeah. Fuel. Chips.
3: Were there any other um, uh, sapphic news stories that I missed of great importance to you personally? Of great importance
1: to us personally. Mar- I mean, you got married. I got married. She got engaged. That's you got kind engaged. Of, yeah. Did.
3: Wow. Yeah. That's cool.
1: Thank you. Like last week, still kind of sunburned. Last week.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. A
1: lot of things happened this year. I think it was a good year for the gays. It felt like it was a huge dice win. Year. Yeah. Huge
4: win for the gays. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. <laughs> there's our baby. And there's Megan Rapino as a baby.
1: Cute.
3: Thank you so much to Rachel and Mackenzie. Go listen to Two Dikes and a Mic. When we come back, Ryan Grimm is here. Woo! That was great. Thank you guys. And we're back! Reporter and author of the new book, The Squad, AOC, and the Hope of a Political Revolution, Ryan Grimm. Here you go. Here you go. Welcome to, to the show. You. Enjoy. Thank you. Ooh, this is good. This is good. The one we have in the office is just a, a printout.
2: Oh, I know. That's, that's Now so there's a better. real physical real book. book. Real Look book. at that.
3: This book, and since it's been released, has gone through a news cycle like The Squad. Yes. Which is interesting and I think a good place mm-hmm. to start. So. Conservative outlets got a hand, got their hands on the book, and started taking parts of it out of context to blow up fights between Democrats, disagreements between AOC and Nancy Pelosi, uh, 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 misrepresents disagreements or discussions between people like Pramila Jayapal and the Squad. Uh, can you talk a little bit about just what happened?
2: Yeah, it's it's been surreal to watch it unfold because I covered this period. And by this period, I mean say like 2018 and 2019, when the squad is first coming into office and becoming this phenomenon, they all had, and AOC in particular had a higher name identification with Republicans for the first like year and a half of their term time in office than they did with Democrats because of the 24/7 right wing ecosystem just blasting them just calling them every single name in the book and people would eventually some of it would break through but because the ecosystems are divided we wouldn't see unless you're following you wouldn't see a lot of this stuff they're saying unless trump jumps in and makes it a national story by saying uh send them back or you know send you know if, if they don't like it here they can go back and fix their own countries which is you know they're all american citizens it's just idiotic stuff uh from from donald trump and so i had i'd watched that and i'd watched the way that it that It's absorbed and and mediated through the through Congress and how how they experience that. But then you're exactly right. About a week before the book came out, it starts popping up in like the Daily Mail and Fox News and and New York Post. And and they would take it it was and I finally I could really understand from their perspective what it was like. So just for one example, uh, there's one guy that's quoted talking about the rollout of the Green New Deal saying that it was a uh, this one particular part was a cluster.
3: This is the part where there was a, a fact sheet that mm-hmm. hadn't, I think, been vetted carefully enough and it made reference to cows and methane. Republicans then took that and said, AOC wants to get rid of hamburgers.
2: The right, of it- yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that part, everybody already agrees. No, like, nobody would actually disagree that that particular little part was a cluster. Like, right. Yeah. So what they do is they, they take that, they put it in my voice rather than somebody else, and then say that I said that the entire Green New Deal... Is, a, is a, a cluster and a disaster. Never said anything like that. It's just and, and just on and on throughout this coverage, and then the and then each article would then kind of use the false stuff in the the last article, and then make it even more false, like a game of telephone. Except it didn't start with something true, and then by the end of it, it's it was just so wildly distorted. It was it was amazing. So there's been this debate has happened many times where
3: the question is. When democratic moderates in swing districts who have legitimate political challenges and who view their success as candidates resting on their ability to persuade moderates and independents in their districts, which is a real phenomenon mm-hmm. that, is, that is a serious challenge for them, at times there would be an intra-democratic debate that says uh, the squad, the left of the party is making my job impossible, that I'm being painted by their brush those are the players, but then you step back and you see the game and that there is this big media apparatus that exists to elevate not just the left, but the kind of missteps, worst examples, worst messages of the left. And I'm just wondering how you think about that because We are a big party that has to have space for AOC and the squad, but also people in Michigan and Ohio and swing suburban districts that need to win as well.
2: I I, that is a very real problem. And I think what Democrats can most effectively do about it is not attack each other over it. So so often you will have, say, Fox News pick up something, distort it, flip it and then fire it back at Democrats and then you get this entire cycle of Democrats getting asked, "Do you condemn this thing?" And you're seeing a bunch of like House resolutions on the floor now. Like, do you condemn this? Do you condemn that? Uh, you know, how often have you condemned it? How specifically have you condemned it? And uh, this, there was a recent resolution where you had something like 90 Democrats just vote present on it. And I thought that was actually a, an interesting and smart step forward, where it's like, you know what, we we can't win this game. Like, we're not going to win it. And I think. This, I think the center-left uh, Democrats who, who are concerned about this phenomenon from, from left over to right, then coming back on the center-left, should read this book, should listen like, directly to, to the left so that when they start hearing this stuff, they'll be like, oh, that actually doesn't sound right. You know, let, me, let, me not, let me not amplify that. And then anybody in the party who is amplifying that stuff uh, should be disciplined. If they're doing it in a in a bad faith, dishonest way,
3: one other thing that 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 I think at times is sort of hard to square is AOC as a political figure clearly I think is has kind of two big uh, uh, strengths. One is the strength of her worldview, an mm-hmm. ideological worldview that clearly like has a lot of purchase, especially with a lot of engaged young people who are upset, angry, disappointed, frustrated, hopeless. And looking for someone who mm-hmm. who carries that torch, and on the other is the fact that she is an incredibly charismatic and smart and capable and persuasive messenger, mm-hmm. as you sort of worked on this book, as you talked to people, did you have any insights about the way those things work together? I mean, one thing that's happened in recent weeks is you've seen a lot of people be pretty fucking surprised when John Fetterman, say, right. who they really like because he was like he was pugnacious and, and had a lefty spirit and energy, right, right. right? Suddenly takes a kind of, I think, more centrist view on Israel, a more pro-Israel point of view. But how much did you think about personality-driven politics versus ideologically-driven politics?
2: So I, I think... Uh, I think it's a both, and I'll tell you like one one story that I reported through the book. That I'm curious for your take on this because I bet you will have uh, encountered some of this yourself. So you have to imagine, you know, she comes in, you know, cold to politics. Like she was reading about politics. She's smart. She went went to Boston University. Uh, so she's like an engaged person. You know, she was a volunteer for the Bernie Sanders campaign, but she's never served in office. She hasn't been worked on professionally on a campaign. So every, all of this is new to her, which wasn't the case for the squad. They'd all served in lower offices, the rest of the squad. And so very early spring of 2019, the, the budget is coming around, the appropriations budget, And so she tells her staff, all right, look through here and tell us where we can add amendments. Like that's, we're in Congress, that's what we do. Like we're gonna amend this thing. And the staff comes back to her and they're like, hey, so Democrats control the House. Uh, every presidential candidate as opposed to the Hyde Amendment. The Hyde Amendment is a uh, longtime federal law that says you can't use federal money uh, for abortions. Every, every national Democrat is against this. We control the House. Biden was getting hammered at this exact time for his longtime support of the Hyde Amendment. He would soon flip and be for it. So she's like, this is a layup. This is a mistake. Like we can, let's put in an amendment that, gets, that takes the Hyde Amendment out. Like that's what our values are. That's it's in our platform. This is this is easy. So staff's like, okay, great. They call the subcommittee. They're like this is what we're going to offer, and they're like, yeah, about that. She gets a call from Rosa DeLauro, the member of Congress, one of the most outspoken, you know, pro-choice members in the House, who kind of tells her, like, look, Republicans aren't going to let this pass, and if we put it on the floor, it's going to put a lot of uh, moderate Democrats in a difficult position, and. They're like, okay, well, thank you for this. And so then they call uh, Planned Parenthood and they call NARAL, the major you know pro-choice organizations in Washington. They're like, you know, we we'd like to fight for this. Like we believe that we should stand up, you know, with our chest and say that we support abortion rights fully. And they're like, yeah, about that. So we don't we don't actually want you to push a vote on this. And they're like, well, why? They're like, well, it would put Democrats who are in swing districts in a difficult spot. Because, in, you know, some polling in some districts shows that people are pro-choice, but they don't want taxpayer money going towards abortion. Like, but you guys are Planned Parenthood and you guys are anyway. – she's like, yeah, we, we support it and it's in our mission to support it. But we need Democrats to be in power in order to then eventually enact those laws. And – they, so they invite her to come meet with a, a group of re- reproductive justice groups. That meeting never happens. So she's still, she's still like, this doesn't make sense. Like, we support this. Like, let's let's at least have a vote on it. And so then she talks to Ayanna Presley, a member of the squad who had, was uh, cha- chairing a caucus for pro-choice rights. She's like, I'm going to handle this. And you know, I'm doing an amendment. And the way she ended up writing the amendment, they, they learned later, it was kind of deliberately written in a way that it would not pass the rules committee. So it would it would get a debate kind of in the rules committee, but then it would not make it to the floor so they don't have to uh it, it's so that nobody gets put in this difficult position. And so as she's like seeing how things are done here, she's absorbing, she's getting it. She's like she's she's like okay, you know, I actually I I understand the point that's being made here. But from her perspective also at some point you have to actually fight for something. And so the book is kind of about when you choose those moments to fight and, and when you say, okay, you know what? We're not going to win this right now, so we live to fight another day. And I think more often she wants to, to pick the fight. Uh, but you know, so, so far, uh, I, think, so I think what you've seen with her uh, is somebody who is now kind of much more accepted by the rest of the party. Because I think she has kind of accepted some of these tactical lessons, and so I th- and there was a there's a poll that I sort of end the book with uh, where New, New Hampshire voters were asked who, the, who their favorite Democrat was, and what what shocked her and shocked me when it came out it was her like this you would not you would not have expected like five years ago this kind of controversial figure who is being used to kind of divide other Democrats would now be in a position with having the highest approval rating of any Democrat in the kind of first primary state.
3: And also someone that has now faced some criticism from the left for... Mm-hmm. for right.
2: Probably uh, not unrelated. Yeah. Right.
3: Not unrelated, but like sort of, oh, you know, what did we ever get for AOC? She's now just a normie dem. She's she's all these things. It's, it's fascinating to watch it unfold because I do think it's a challenge to understand, like, when is the role of the left... To accept what's possible, and when is the role of the left
2: to change what's possible? And to, yeah, to question it. Look, you guys are wrong. We actually can do more. Right?
3: right, right. And 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 I think a left that always says we shouldn't accept our current realities is, is a left that will be pushed aside. Right. But a left that goes along and doesn't pick the fights when necessary is a left that isn't doing its job. And I don't yeah. think anyone has a good. Right. There's no good answer. There's no magic formula right. for how to do this.
2: Yeah, and th- this is a book kind of about you know how they all have tried to find that balance uh, on their own.
3: Yeah, and yeah. it is it is amazing that all of like so much of this has fallen on the shoulders of someone who was new to politics who who a success is born not just of kind of representing this view but doing it so well. I mean, I've I've gone to interview AOC a couple times and. Uh she is, I think, one of the great messengers mm-hmm. in the Democratic Party in politics who has an ability to kind of tell a story and do so carefully. Sometimes I think more carefully than other figures on the left. And I think sometimes that blowback is um, kind of uh, uh, almost like not a resentment of AOC, but the resentment of, of reality. You're right. <laughs> yeah, sense. yeah.
2: I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, there there was there's another a quick moment in there where uh there's this if do you remember the turbo tax blow up? I do. So just as this is coming up, she she reads this article and they, tries to find other people that will you know do something about this. So just so people yeah, understand
3: yeah. this, basically uh taxes are stupid and the way we no. file them are incredibly stupid. And these these services like TurboTax and all these other kind of businesses thrive on a system that doesn't need to exist, that yeah. that 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 a lot of what we do when we file taxes could happen automatically, but it isn't allowed to happen because if it did, this business would be eliminated.
2: Yeah, and so there's a, a bill that is then going through the House, Democratic-controlled House, that would make it illegal for the IRS to make its own free TurboTax system. And after the pro-public article comes out, nobody's willing to stand up against it. And she and her aide are like walking down to the to the house floor they're going to they're going to object to it they're going to you know work work to get it out she goes into the cloakroom john lewis is the sponsor the lead sponsor of this bill and so she goes into the cloakroom and john you've met john lewis the, I, like, I have yeah i'm sure like it just ab- utterly like oozes like charisma Gravi- and gravitas, moral gravitas yes. and you've got john lewis telling you the pro public is not right about this they they're they're not reading that right, and also there's all and maybe even if they are there's all these other good things in the bill that are so much better, and and so even even if they're right, it's worth doing this, and so she's like, she comes out of the cloakroom and she's talking to her aide. She's like, John Lewis is making some really good arguments, and it's 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 hard. And the aide told me he's like, I could what could I say to her? Like, I'm not going to go tell John Lewis that he's a sellout. Like you you go tell John Lewis. That he's a sellout, and so she's like, "What do I do?" He's like, "He's like, you cannot vote for it. Like you'll you'll get killed." He's like, "You should go in and ask for a recorded vote, um, and then vote against it. and It's going to pass. Everybody loves it." Uh, she's like, "All right, I'll I'll, I'll see what I'm going to do." And she goes onto the House floor, and she gives a one-minute speech. You know, where she praises John Lewis for all the work that he did on it. She then adds, "This is a really bad provision, and we should strip this one out." And then like the moment of truth comes, the, the, the speaker gal is like, all in favor, aye, everybody's aye, all in favor, no. And that's when usually somebody says I request a recorded vote. But if nobody says that. The eyes carry it. The, the eyes carry it. Uh, and she and Katie Hill were the only ones who had raised any, any objections. She couldn't, you No, know, none of the other squad wanted to do it either. No objections. Eyes carry it. Because in that moment, she she couldn't kind of put her she didn't want to be the one who was going to put all of her colleagues on record. But at the same time, people are like, yeah, but that's what you're there for. And then, and then, and then the outrage, you know, grew even further. And the Senate was like, okay, we're not doing this. Cause there was so much outrage. People are like, really, you're going to pass a law that says we can't file our taxes for free. Like we already have to pay you the taxes now we have to pay to pay the taxes yeah uncle sam so but 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 as her aide was saying it's a, it's it, it's easy to judge but also you try it like it's really this it's it's difficult stuff
3: and i do there's something very it's very poignant and sad to be at this point where some of this has been so demoralizing for someone like aoc someone who takes this chance to become a member mm-hmm. of congress and kind of runs headlong into the realities of this job a job that was ugly and difficult Mm -hmm. even when there wasn't a kind of recalcitrant and fascistic right-wing movement in this country this is a moment where i think a lot of the left feels demoralized uh regardless of i think that that you know you see a debate over especially people that are like very engaged about how much credit do you give someone like joe biden for efforts Mm -hmm. on student loans even though you can't hold him responsible for the court for the biggest investment in climate in history for uh, playing his hand as well as he could. At the same time, you see this inc- this divisive debate over Israel that has um, uh, alienated yeah. a lot of people on the left who are critical of of the Biden administration's uh, failure uh, to to call for a, a, a ceasefire, a, a permanent ceasefire. What do you, if, as someone watching? how this this sort of relationship between the center left and the left there was this, there was this piece by robert kagan everybody's been talking about about you know that we're on our, we're on the cusp of a dictatorship from trump and one of the points he makes among a lot of worst case scenario points is the left is fractured that is what mm-hmm. happens in a country that is vulnerable to this uh what do you see in your reporting as a path to reminding or Cajoling, or convincing, or making changes that make possible uh, a the left to come together,
2: and I, I, th- I think one, one thing that you see is a kind of loud element on on social media that gets that gets overplayed. Mm-hmm. I think I think broadly speaking, despite some of that that noise that you were hearing up until October and the in this uh, catastrophe in in the Middle East, you actually. We're seeing the center left and the left, you know, pretty well aligned. You had this remarkable um, moment during the the fight over build back better and the inflation reduction act is gigantic, you know, Biden's gigantic you know, social spending and climate package, where it was the people in the swing districts that were teaming up with the progressive caucus saying, We need this, like we need something to run on. You've got to pass Pass this child care stuff, pass this affordable care stuff. We we need these subsidies so we can pass the climate stuff so we can tell people what we've done so we can get reelected. You remember that was the opposite back in 2009, 2010. Any moderates who voted for the Affordable Care Act or voted for the climate bill did so. Believing that they had hurt themselves, yeah. and probably correctly, so several believe yeah. they
3: they voted passed the Affordable Care Act and, and lost th- their seats.
2: Lost their seats as a result, but they did it anyway, as you know, because that's they're like that's why I'm in office. I'm willing to do it. Uh, that was not the case this time. The, their political incentives and their kind of ethical values lined up. They're like we need. This. So you got to a place where the left and the center left were rowing like in the same direction against just a handful of marginalized. Uh, Democrats, Kirsten Cinema, who's not even a Democrat anymore, Joe Manchin, who's going to who's going to be gone, might run as a third party candidate, mm-hmm. and then uh, Josh Gottheimer and his what he called them the Unbreakable Nine that were going to kind of stop Biden's mm-hmm. agenda. So, so you're back back in 2009, 2010, it was scores of these types that you had to deal with. And now you're talking about a ha- just a handful, fewer than a dozen of these recalcitrants. So the party's coming together uh, in a more progressive direction. But what this catastrophe in, in Gaza does to that, uh, we don't know, because we could just be even as horrific as it's been. We might be even just at the beginning of, of what we're going to see. Well, that's a terrible fucking place to live <laughs> <Yeah. leave it. laughs> uh, <laughs>
3: uh Any sort of surprising moments in reporting this book with AOC, with the squad about what it is like for them to be in Congress? that are out of a slightly, um, happier
2: tenor than, uh, there was one, there was one cool moment, um, where it all worked together, uh, for everybody, the far angry left, the squad, the progressive caucus, the far angry left and the the center left. Please, please call me Mr. Angry Left. It doesn't make sense. (laughs) The far angry left was my father. Mr. Far Angry Left as the, during the American Rescue Plan, that was his first one, this $1.9 trillion package that he pushed that had the direct checks, the unemployment stuff. Uh, they tried to put a $15 minimum wage in. Uh, the parliamentarian, it's a whole story we don't need to get into, you know, says you can't do this. Bernie puts it up for a vote. They don't have the 60 they need. And so the far angry left is just incredibly, absolutely angry. And so now you have Manchin saying he also wants to trim back the checks. He thinks the unemployment stuff is too generous. You're seeing so much fury. I was, I, was in, I, was, I was far and angry then. You, yes, exactly. We all were. And, and the squad is very publicly pushing back. Like, this is outrageous. You already took out the uh, minimum wage. Now you're going to try to take out this while we're in the middle of this. And so uh, Jayapal and Schumer had developed a relationship over the last couple years. And so Jayapal told Schumer, look, if, if Manchin does this, like, they're walking and, it, and it's that's the and and the threat had real credibility to it. She's like she's like you know don't blame me, but but they they are out of here. You see how much pressure they're under. So Manchin came to him he's, and to make these demands, these cuts, these cuts, these cuts. And Schumer was able to tell him, Joe, like I can't do that. If I do that, Pramila tells me I, I lose the squad. And so then Mansion, for the first time, a centrist Democrat had been put in a position of actually facing a credible threat from the left because usually the left you know remember 60 democrats in 2009 said if there's no public option we're not signing off on obamacare they all they all voted for obamacare because it's like it's still a good bill it's still going to save some lives so most like progressives are going to go along with it but there was so much anger so much organizing that it was credible and mansion caved he's like i'd rather have the bill than get these cuts." doesn't happen much, but it shows that there's like an actual path where you can use the anger of the of the left in a productive way, and get something that was extremely popular. Biden's popularity up through his first six months uh, was you know he's never seen uh, approval numbers like that again. He well, brought us back down a little. Sorry.
3: <laughs> but that <laughs> but, was good. But that was good. Yeah, but that was good. Uh, everybody, uh, thank you, Ryan, so much. No, thank you. Uh, Ryan Grimm, the book is The Squad, AOC, and the Hope of a Political Revolution. Everybody
4: check
2: it
3: out. When we come back, Sibling Rivalry.
2: Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way.
4: People think the new
1: fresh fragrances from Glade are fresher than fresh, like artist Angela.
4: Small vacation, dance under sun-soaked trees. Very close, take me far to where I wanna be. Mom, I got the job in Manhattan. Do you have a warm enough winter coat? What
1: about your car? I'm selling it with Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. How? I enter my license plate number, miles, condition, upload photos, and boom! An official cash offer from a local dealership. A cash offer instantly? Oh, did you call Aunt Stella? She's
5: right there in Massachusetts. Mom, I literally just got the job.
6: Not everything is as
2: simple as selling your car with Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. Price it, fix it, trade it, sell it, at kbb.com it.
3: back she's at the top of love it or leave it's comedians to watch list because we're all about to watch her right now
5: hey
3: please, please please say hello to the very hilarious zaynep johnson
5: hey all right hi you have 12 siblings yeah i have 12 siblings yeah i know right i'm taking i'm getting so much glory for the work that my mom did yeah People always like, wow. I'm like, it was her vagina. You guys clammed up at vagina? I didn't. (laughs) How many of them do you genuinely like? I genuinely like them all. One of them can't come in my house. Um, I like some more than others. There's like four that like I, they're like, if they weren't my siblings, I would still seek them out for friendship but then there's like three that I'm like, you lucky you my sibling. Mm-hmm.
6: You, you know love but
5: don't like them. I mean, I, I like them, but I would not. I like them in a forced environment.
3: Right. Sure.
5: You know, like I recognize qualities that they have that are good and I like that about them. But they don't quite gel with my personality at the highest level. You know?
3: No, I understand that. I understand that. I have a lot. Of, <laughs> I, I have that with people.
5: Oh, I thought you were going to say you have that with your siblings. No, no. No, do you have siblings? I have a sister. Oh, a sister. Well, all right. Um.
3: <laughs> hey, how many of them are gay? The are 12.
5: Uh, we don't know, but I mean, we speculate. Like, statistically, we have the numbers, right? Right, for
3: sure. But the yeah. odds of it being z- being zero is small, I think.
5: Well, right now, if there is someone there in their closet, if oh. there is, you know? Sometimes I look in the mirror and say, is it you?
3: Oh, you think you're gay?
5: Uh, I mean, it'd be a fun choice.
3: Oh, you think it's a choice? End the show. <laughs> bring in, bring in, the, bring in the glad, bring in the glad sol- soldiers. I know,
5: I know, I know. <laughs> Come get me. Throw me away.
3: Now, let's say uh, all of a sudden, you know, a, 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 a door from the future opened, and, yeah. and someone said. You need to tell me right now which of your siblings is gay or the universe will collapse. I'm sorry. I'm not good at coming up with things on the fly. <laughs> but would you have a guess? Would yeah, you have, gun, you,
5: gun to my head. Gun to your head. I didn't want to do a violent
3: version, so I tried to come up with a non-violent version. But then you are right. Gun to your head. Yeah, gun
5: to my gun head. Gun to your head. Yeah. Which of your siblings
3: is fucking gay? Yeah, because
5: if it's somebody from the future and they're like, which one is gay? I'm going to be like, wait, you're from the future? You know, we'd get sidetracked. No, I
3: did a bad job. <laughs> yeah. I uh,
5: Okay, I'm sorry. So, no, why? Don't apologize. Um, <laughs> I would say, and this is totally, this is totally the stereotypical answer, but there's so much evidence to back it up. But like, so you know, hey,
3: she's so mad at me. <laughs> you were watching the Republican debate.
5: What's up? All right.
3: Aww. there
5: we go. <laughs> um. Thanks, Ben. Um. I would say that it's my criminal brother oh yeah
3: is that is that when did he earn the moniker
5: criminal Uh, very very early let's see uh i think it was the summer of 99 no i don't he's he's been in and out of jail for uh most of our lives he's four years older than me um and so yeah i think when i was younger i thought it was like cool you know like i'd be like look at him go you know
3: maybe it's maybe that's is you're, you think that maybe he's running from being gay like he's sort of that that's part of the maybe that's part of what's drawn him being gay is is sort of is sort of like um, you know a crime against heterosexuality in a sense you know what I mean
5: <laughs> well I, I hear what you're saying I don't think it's a crime against it but here's the thing uh, you know that is the romantic comedy we haven't seen. You know what I'm saying? You just love someone so much that you go back to jail. You know, like yeah. that. <sighs> I mean, yeah. Somebody pitch it.
3: That's cool. They just keep doing crimes to yeah. get back into jail yeah. together. Yeah, oh, and it's
5: like fun stuff. You it's know? fun
3: stuff. Yeah, it's a fun movie. Because that's
5: the thing about my brother. <laughs> he's not like a. He's not like a violent criminal. He's like us, like a wacky, silly criminal. Like, you sure you want to? You want to do like time the Hamburglar? Yeah, you know, like, like you
3: know the hamburger.
5: I do. From maybe McDonald's. he's gay.
3: <laughs> you think the Hamburglar's is gay? He's I, so flamboyant. Yeah, he could be. Yeah, I think I think Mayor McCheese is gay.
5: I think every McDonald character is gay. Yeah, I think
3: Grimace is gay.
5: Yeah, know, maybe, are these be, all McDonald characters? Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, okay, okay.
3: Maybe Ace.
5: Ace. I, no, I don't know that one.
3: Yeah, I think Grimace could be asexual.
5: Oh, asexual. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. I thought you meant there was a McDonald character named Ace. I was gonna say, well, I haven't, I haven't been there in forever.
3: Okay. <laughs> All right, so because you have so many siblings, yeah, how many? What's what's the gender breakdown?
5: Seven boys, six girls. Hmm. For a very long time, not a very long time, before like I don't know, three years, it was six and six, and we thought like, oh, look, we're so cool. And then my younger brother came, fucking asshole.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's time for a game we're calling Step by Step. This full house is cheaper by the dozen plus eight. Here's how it <laughs> works: We're gonna put up some uh, famous siblings. Oh my Nice. Uh, We're going to put up some famous siblings, and and we will decide definitively which one should live. No, I'm just kidding. We'll decide which one is our favorite. All right. The first, the Trumps. It's uh, Eric. Let's leave poor Barron out of this. We're just deciding between Eric, John Jr., Tiffany, and Ivanka, which is the best Trump sibling.
5: You know, I honestly didn't even know there were that many. Um, I would probably say trump donald that's a weird name I, I don't it's like a regular name but also like a weird name it right? is a donald? strange
3: donald yeah. i know it is weird don yeah
5: it felt right when it was just like a duck because it feels cartoonish. it does feel right yeah. for a duck but, but not like a just person. you just say it like yeah donald i don't know sorry donald's out there um he loves ivanka right he does he loves her too much yeah she had shoes though she she invited like, Bloomingdales,
3: I know, for a time, yeah, for a time, and she
5: gave it up they I weren't think they great gave shoes. her up, oh, did they,
3: because it was like, we can't have her shoes in here, they
5: were like in the middle, like not a kitten heel, but not a stiletto, that's weird,
3: oh yeah i didn't I didn't know about that. <laughs>
5: Which one? I um, think
3: Tiffany is my personal choice because she's the most outside of the whole thing. Yeah. And you know that like a couple glasses of wine, she's funny about the whole thing. You know what I mean? Which one is Tiffany? She's the one all the way on the right. She's, she's the one. With she's, the blue dress? And she sang songs and her songs are available on Spotify and it's a treat because, <laughs> they, it's, you know, they don't work.
5: Yeah. Yeah. She does look like she could be a member of the band Danity Kane
3: well you know Don because the the Don Jr dated one of the Danity Kane people did he right am I remembering that correctly anybody
5: wait these are all Trump's kids
3: no 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 some of them are strange I had no idea well Jared Kushner's up there I don't know who the two little ones are maybe they're children of one of the children
5: it's like I just see white people I don't know (laughs) this is (laughs) in front of flags
3: the correct answer is Tiffany next up (laughs) The Culkins.
7: Oh. We have
3: Macaulay, Kieran, Rory. Are there any others? That's it. Oh, and then there's also Dakota, Quinn, Shane, Christian, and Jennifer. There's a lot of fucking Culkins. Oh,
5: there's well, so many.
3: I think we just have to choose our, the best between Macaulay, Kieran, and Rory.
5: Um is Rory the one with the long hair?
3: Ooh. Very kind of severe.
5: <laughs> right, but interesting. Yeah, I'm going to choose, is, I'm going to choose, okay, okay, no, 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 no. I was going to choose Rory because he seems like the coolest now, but I'm going to go back, throw back, Macaulay Culkin, Michael Jackson, but yeah, let's just do, yeah, Macaulay. Come it, on. It, home alone, ah, like, let's just do it. <laughs> let's just, let's just give credit where it's due.
3: Um, when I was a kid, my father got a Laserdisc player. Yeah. And we had one laserdisc, yeah, and it was Home Alone. Really, laserdisc. It was a giant CD. It was like a CD, comically big. Yes. And they were, and and you had to flip it to watch the second half of Home Alone.
5: That is so funny. But you know what? What? Home Alone is a fantastic movie. Yeah. And even as an adult, if I'm in, you know in a middle sit like middle of America, city, I'm in a hotel room and it comes on, I'll have a hard time leaving a hotel room.
3: No, I love the film. I do think that it's a lot of trouble to avoid paying a deductible on home insurance, you yeah. know, because you know they had a good umbrella policy. <laughs> yeah. They're very serious people. They had a lot of plans around the vacation, lights on, lights off. There they was were, they were that was a very they were very on top of their shit.
5: Yeah. But it, Home Alone took place in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. That that makes a lot of sense. You think? Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Just the coldness.
3: <laughs> Next up, the Williams sisters.
5: Oh.
3: Ooh. I, don't, I think it's hard to decide. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid. Okay. And, the, and Venus first came on the scene. Mm-hmm. And I remember the craziest thing I've ever heard a person say on television, which is Venus Williams was destroying, just winning, winning. And the dad gave an interview and he said her sister's better. <gasps> and everyone was like, what the fuck? What do you mean the sister's better? And then then Serena came. Isn't that cool? Yeah. What a confident dad.
5: Yeah, that's such a different telling than they did in the movie. Uh, <laughs> it's like Serena was like trying to play and he's like, sit down, it's Venus's turn. Uh, in a movie, yeah. But here's, I'm gonna go with Venus. I love them both, but I'm gonna go with Venus and this is for completely selfish reasons. When... I post stand up videos or anything uh like any any su- like anything about me succeeding she comments uh, and like what? Yes, I believe she follows me. Venus Williams is a f-
3: is in your is in your fucking yeah, internet. Yeah, like
5: she congr- she's like yeah if I'm like, you know, comedy special come she's like can't wait if I post like some award she's like you deserve it. Like she's like this is great. Uh, I love congrats. Like she's so
3: Tennis anyone? I right? <laughs> that's cool i know wow Ah. venus williams i know even the name like venus williams it's like it's like on another plane
5: yes like that person from the future that comes out and asks me
3: if your brother's gay gay. (laughs) (laughs) what a weird question for someone from the future i have to know why if you know if you don't know why would i know you're from the future my thing didn't make any goddamn sense People in the future don't have to ask us questions about the past. <laughs> we have to ask them questions about, about the, future. the future. You would say to this person, before you go, is my brother gay? Yeah. the You know, the one, the one who does the fun crimes. Yeah.
5: And oh, by the way, you look just like Venus Williams. Oh, oh.
3: Hmm. Josh and Benny Safdie. <laughs> don't know who. No, <laughs> we can't do that. <laughs> we just had him on the show.
5: <laughs> oh, wow.
3: 12 siblings yeah wow yeah i just
5: have a sister you know what i used to want to be the only child when i was a kid that was probably the thing that i wished for most like at like when i you know when i wasn't getting my way or when someone read my diary or when i went in a room and shut it and realized my three sisters were in there too you know (laughs) I was like, oh, I wish I was the only child. It would be so much better. But now as an adult, I just love having a lot of siblings. I love it. I love it.
3: Yeah, that must have been so hard at times.
5: Yeah, especially since we were poor. But let's not get sad. But now you're glad you have them. I'm really glad that I have them. Like, we tell stories. we, we reminisce about things that only we experience. Like we know our parents, the same two people in like a very different way. I'll tell a story and my sister would be like, oh, that's how you saw it? Well, for me, it was like this. And I'm like, what? Well, it's also because with 12
3: siblings, you're also knowing your parents at such different ages. Yeah. And you're very different. You know, I don't know what the, the range is, but, you know, a 25-year-old versus a 36-year-old, like, that's yeah. a very different person
5: Yeah, the, raising kids. Yeah, the biggest difference is, um, I think it's like 22 years is the biggest age. 22 years. Yeah, from years. the youngest to the oldest. My My mom was... 22 or maybe 24. My mom was 20 when she had my oldest sister and she was 44 or 46 when she had my youngest brother. That's pregnant. When my mom went through menopause. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is, this is this sidebar. Is so apparently the more pregnant you are, like the more years of your life you spend pregnant, it pushes off menopause. Oh. And so while all like the
3: stars at Starbucks, yeah.
5: <laughs> And so I guess my mom's menopause was pushed so far off that when it was happening, she was like, oh, what is this? And she was older than everybody else, like having menopause. And I was like, I think it's menopause. And she was like, no, that can't happen to me. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I felt so bad for her. That's so
3: interesting. Like the body's like i don't know let's wait a little longer yeah this 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 lady keeps making kids we don't there's there's this up we can we can get some more miles out of this one yeah you know
5: yeah it's like she was like like just turned 60 and was like oh somebody somebody cut the heat like she was and i was like this seems obvious to me why don't you know
3: interesting yeah interesting yeah Zayna, thank you so much for being here. Thank you
5: so much. Go watch
3: Hijab's (laughs) Off on Amazon Prime. And you can catch her in the latest (laughs) season of Upload, also on Amazon Prime. When we come back, it's time for Rants. Yeah. And we're back. Before before we get to some Rants, does every new poll make you want to crawl under your desk and get into the fetal position? Then check out our new subscriber series, Polar Coaster, hosted by none other than Dan Pfeiffer. <gasps> Big get. Dan will dive deep into what the polls are saying, what we can learn from them, and how we can harness what we've learned to secure democratic wins in 2024 and beyond. The first episode comes out on December 14th. Subscribe now at crooked.com slash friends. I heard a gas. People are excited. This is a cool. This is great. Just 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 uncut fucking Dan Pfeiffer straight in your veins. Crooked.com slash friends to make sure you have access. Uh, also the holidays are coming up the Crooked store has we have a bunch of really cool holiday merch that you should check out so everyone do like they did really there's like really funny great there's cool ornaments sweatshirts ho ho homo pretty good stuff go to crooked.com slash store please check it out and if you order by December 13th you can get your merch in time for the holidays all right please welcome Mackenzie and Rachel back to the stage
6: Woo-hoo!
3: hi hi welcome back Hi. Hi. Now it's time for the rant wheel. Here's how it works. We spin the wheel wherever it lands. We rant about the topic. This week on the wheel, we have my rant. I don't know what it is yet. We have the lack of dance battles in the real world. We have tell all books, making plans, swimsuits, this guy on my flight with a mandolin with no case as his personal item, (laughs) gift guides, and the Apple Store. Let's spin the wheel. He's landed on swimsuits, I believe suggested by Rachel. Yeah,
1: that's me on a big time. Okay. Uh, it's very hard. Swimsuits in general—they're not the right material. They're too sticky to your body, and especially if you're masculine and thick at all. Every swimsuit that I've ever put on in my entire life looks me dead in my eyes and goes, "You're a pretty little bitch, aren't you?" And that's painful, and I don't like that. Also, swimsuits—I don't know if you guys have known, but like, they're trying to get better. Like, there's queer swimsuit brands that are trying their best to like kind of mask them up, but they still look like you're swimming. But it's prohibition. <laughs> We haven't fixed the issues yet. We haven't done it, and I don't like them at all. And I want a fourteen-piece tuxedo made out of neoprene, and nobody will make that because everyone's a coward. So,
3: I like that when you mentioned prohibition, you kind of did a Charleston (laughs) finger. You did. You you, you, You noticed that? That you really kind of went into it.
1: It It, So cool. Yeah. Whenever I think prohibition, I do have that like kind of black and white song that they use. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. that voice. I don't know what it is.
5: (laughs) The talkies. The talkies. <laughs> they're
3: talking now. Yeah. When all those movie stars found out that people didn't like their voices. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: they're
3: like, I don't think talking is necessary. Like, all right, that's your problem. Let's let's spin it again. It has landed mm. on tell all books. Zainab, I believe this is your suggestion.
5: Yeah, I'm tired of the tell all
7: books. <laughs>
5: I know everybody is. I mean, listen, there were a lot of reasons to get the actors back to work. Tello books was at the top of the list. Right? It's like we don't want to know. I actually read um Britney Spears's Tello um book uh while I was in line at Target. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I didn't mean to read it then, but it's very short. Um I was trying to purchase it, but then by the time I got to the register, I was done. Um so that was that was wild you know but um it's like listen the tell all book was cool like in 1994 when we needed like people magazine and we needed publicists to find out anything about you but now there's a thing called social media and it seems like no one can stay off of it you know I know everything about you I know what your kids look like I know what's going on in your life I know what dance moves you can do (laughs) I know it you don't have to package it up in a hard cover and put it in barn you know you don't need to, and then it's not really a tell all you're telling us what you think we want to hear so that we buy the book. It's called capitalism, oh. yeah, they're not tell all they're tell sums they're 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 we don't ca- you know stop wasting the trees Okay, you know
6: just.
3: there was um there was another book that just came out about like Megan and Harry and oh. and I was like i, I, I what is left in that fucking barrel like what how what is down there what is the sludge at the
5: bottom of that tell all barrel I don't know what's left but there's people who can't get enough of it and for those people I say we put them to work (laughs) Uh (laughs) We want to get carbon emissions down let's get a yeah turn a crank
3: (laughs) (laughs) you want to read that book that's fine but you're going to turn this crank (laughs) let's spin it again (laughs) It has landed on gift guides.
4: That is me. Gift guides have been fucking me um, <laughs> pretty hard recently. So my wife has a birthday on Christmas. So I have to double up, right? Oof. That's a Christmas gift. That's also a birthday gift. I need as much help as I can possibly get. Gift guides have been giving me the worst ideas of all time. I did a zodiac one recently cuz I'm trying to like expand my horizons and gift guides. You can't do the Macy's, Bloomingdale's. You got to go deeper. I did a zodiac one. It told me to get her based on her zodiac, a calendar.
1: <laughs> you can't give your No, wife I will a... be
4: divorced by the end of the, the year.
5: <laughs> a calendar. A
4: calendar. You cannot... She's a Capricorn. They go full calendar it's awful it's awful so then i go deeper i i go into lesbian gift guide
1: oh boy right
4: that's practically a hate crime it is unacceptable i mean it's all rainbow it was a neon rainbow sign was the first one uh a subaru like literally a
3: subaru no i mean it's
4: horrid that's a
3: good gift though
4: i mean yeah but she's got a car she doesn't need another one
3: what kind is a Subaru?
4: she has a mercedes
3: Whoa. That was hot
4: how you said it. (laughs) So that's, I'm over gift guys because I think that they are bullshit. It's a copy paste. It's a lot of grilling sets also. Mm -hmm. A little on the nose. Yes. Like they're, they're coming for the dykes is all I'm saying.
1: Can I piggyback off of your gripe? yeah please I think the rainbow's over I've had enough rainbow don't give me any more I'm sick of allies giving me rainbow gifts I don't want it I don't it's want a bottle opener with a rainbow I don't want like my and my fiance's name on a cup with a rainbow on it no right? more rainbows rainbows are for leprechauns and skittles it's over put <gasps> them to bed I agree because it's more it's coming in your face being like don't don't forget that you're gay right
4: every holiday don't forget you gay trust
1: me I won't forget grandma brings it up a lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> thank
4: you
3: thank you good job <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Gift guides. They're probably written by ChatGPT at this point. You probably fell for some ChatGPT thing. It feels
4: AI. Yeah. How um, horrible it was to lesbians. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it was a lot of like poetry, journals.
3: Yeah.
5: I'm still stuck on a calendar. They didn't say a specific calendar. It was a wall calendar. Wall calendar.
3: What if it was like the Mayan calendar?
4: No, no, no. (laughs) Just a wall calendar. They're They're just like Capricorns are boring. Here's a calendar.
5: Yeah. Oh my God. It's,
4: it's horrid.
3: I don't know what to get lesbians. (laughs) Let's spit it again. (laughs) Mm. And now it's time for my rant. I have two rants. Here they are. Rant number one. I agree with you that the rainbow has been overexposed. The rainbow is too much in our faces and it has become too ubiquitous and it has taken away something from the rainbow. And I think collectively we need to figure out a way to reinvest power in the rainbow because I love the rainbow. And I think the answer, the answer is, hey, it doesn't have to be in that order. You know, what is a rainbow except six or seven colors having a good time together? They can do it in any way you want. You know, that's all I want. I want I want what, Brian? (laughs) But the real wow. rant I want to make today, <laughs> the real rant, and this is something that's genuinely been on my mind. So I decided I wanted to um, spruce up my bedding. I was like, I am going to do. I want to get a new duvet and new, new, new shams. I believe is the term and pillows and a blanket. And I was like, I'm going to do it fucking right. Mm-hmm. I want to make my bed look cool, like a like a like a bed in the like a bed from the movies. You know, like a crate and barrel bed you know where and the thing about it that i have found is it's impossible <laughs> because there's too many there's too many things to choose between and if you go look and you're like, oh, you know what I want? Like in my mind, like when I was a kid and you wandered around like Bed Bath and Beyond, May her Memory Be a Blessing, or <laughs> Ikea, and they'd have the beds made. And it was like the bed from a fantasy life, a, so another fluffy. world where there were so many pillows. It was like pillow, 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 pillow. And as a kid, I thought that was like, that must be what a bed is. Like that's what the cool, <laughs> that's what a bed of, of, a, of success looks like. And then you go on these websites and you look at how much bedding they're trying to get you to buy. And it's a bit like how in the commercials when they put toothpaste on the thing. And it's like a fucking, you know, they do the, the big S of toothpaste. And then the dentist is like, that's too much. <laughs> and it's like, you look at what they put on that thing. And it's like blanket. It's, it's, it's sheet, blanket, duvet, blanket, pillow, 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 pillow. I'm paralyzed by the choice of it all. <laughs> I have so many tabs open. And I don't know what to do. Dozens and dozens and dozens of tabs, and I don't know how I'm supposed to buy a duvet in this world until I've seen them all. Yeah. And I can't find them all because every time you start looking, there are more. And some of them, you think, is this gonna? Is this what? A, is this what? Is this re, is it dignified and refined, or is this a child's bed? Is this? Is this maximalist, or am I a fucking clown? Mm. And then you see everyone on TikTok being like Navy sheets and it's oh. like I'm not gonna get Navy sheets Mm-mm. but that's a thing.
4: I'd go Tommy Bahama. Tommy Bahama. Yeah,
3: little classic. Little beers. Yes. Little palm trees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. I'm saying I'm like no.
5: <laughs> yeah No. <laughs> But I'm like a white bedding type of person. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That is luxury.
5: That's status. That's like a
1: that's like a fancy hotel.
4: Is that the answer? That's that's four seats. Go white.
5: Go
1: white and clean. Yeah.
3: Oh, maybe that's the problem.
1: When you picture, close your eyes and think of a bed. What's the nice, fluffy race car? Okay.
3: (laughs) Fuck.
4: So the Go Tommy Bahama then.
3: And I do like rainbows, and I was hurt by what you said.
5: so sorry but isn't it strange that when i see like a rainbow printed anywhere i do think you know gay but when i see a rainbow after the rain i don't oh but those ones are gay too (laughs) i'll take it (laughs) but am i the only one is
3: i look up and i think the fags can't have this one (laughs) when we come back we'll end on a high note And we're back. And now, because we all need it, here it is, the high note.
7: Hey, love it. This is Brian from Rochester. I lost my dog in July. He was a French bulldog named Diego. He was super obnoxious and farted all the time and wasn't really a dog, but I loved him. I didn't think I have another dog. And then over the weekend, I adopted or rescued a Portuguese water dog slash poodle. Who is Love My Life? He's an awesome dog and he jumps in here just at the lake. But anyway, uh, he is a porty poo, not a porty doodle. Just want to clarify that in today's episode. Thanks, Love It. Thanks, Crooked. You guys are awesome.
6: Hey, Love It. And Tenja and producer Brian and all the rest. Um, this is Lindy. I'm just calling uh, to leave my high notes. Uh, three years ago during the pandemic, my wife was, uh, then girlfriend was diagnosed with breast cancer and she's had a series of recurrences or one recurrence and a bunch of uh, surgeries. Anyway, we got married a year ago. Actually, first we got married in Massachusetts just in case, uh, Florida, uh, decided that they didn't want to recognize gay marriage. Then we celebrated on December 17th with all our nearest and dearest in Miami. So we are celebrating one year married and one year, hopefully, cancer-free this time. Um, Y'all have been there standing next to us at every one of these milestones. And thank you for all that you do and for all the joy that you bring. And uh, let's get out the vote for 2024. I love it. I'm Jupiter of the band Stuffy Doll. You guys were kind enough to have one of my songs on uh in your Out of the Closet, Into the Streets era. I was the screamy one. Um, uh, my highlight is that I just released a new album, Ganymede Gives Up the Ghost, featuring the incredible Riley Silverman. It's all about being trans and disabled, and it has done so much better than I was expecting or than most of my other albums have, and I'm just thrilled that everyone is enjoying it. Thanks so much. Love the show.
7: Hi, John. My name is Raymond, and uh, I just went to your Phoenix show last Thursday, and it was amazing, so thank you for coming. My high note is that uh, I am an alternative high school teacher in northern Arizona, and uh, we have lost two principals in the past six months, and it's been really rough for our school. Um, We teach a lot of indigenous students, and Um, generally underserved communities and and kids uh, go to our school. And this week, we have finally a new stable principal who is awesome and compassionate and believes in restorative justice um, and is going to do awesome things for our kids. So um, it's wonderful that we can get back on track and resume teaching and helping our students um, to be better humans and to learn that there are people who really care about them in the world. Thank you for doing all you do. Hey, love it. This is Andy. I'm driving over 2,000 miles between my work schedule and between Alaska and the border in Washington, and I'm thinking about how nice the Canadians are if yes, Trump gets reelected. Yes. Don't forget, Mary Paltola, our first term congresswoman in Alaska, uh, first Democrat. 50 years. She's awfully lonely in our purple state. Uh, pro fish, pro choice. Support Mary Peltola. Look her up. She needs your help. Uh, we love some people from the lower 48. pitching in. Thanks.
3: Thanks to everybody who shared a high note tonight. If you want to leave us a message about something that gave you hope, call us at 323-538-2377. That is our show. Thank you so much to Benny Safdie, Mackenzie Goodwin, and Rachel Scanlon, Zayn Johnson, and Ryan Grimm. There are 331 days until the 2024 elections. Thank you all for coming out, and have a great night. If you're already doom scrolling, don't forget to follow us at Crooked Media on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find Love It or Leave It on YouTube for access to your favorite segments and other exclusive content. And if you're as opinionated as we are, consider dropping us a review. Finally, you can join our Friends of the Pod subscription community for ad-free episodes, exclusive content, and a great discussion on Discord. Plus, it's a great way to get involved with Vote Save America, so sign up today at Crooked.com/slash friends. Love It Or Leave It is a Crooked Media production. It is written and produced by me, John Lovett, and Lee Eisenberg. Kendra James is our executive producer. Brian Semmel is our producer and Malcolm Whitfield is our associate producer. Hallie Keeper is our head writer. Sarah Lazarus, Jocelyn Kaufman, Peter Miller, Alan Pierre, Will Miles and Mohamed Elshake are our writers. Evan Sutton is our editor. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis provide audio support. On the road, Vendelin von Schroeder is our tour manager. Stephen Cologne is our audio engineer and Milo Kim is our videographer. Our theme song is written and performed by SureSure. Sure. Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Bernardo Serna for creating and running all of our visuals which you can't see because this is a podcast and to our digital producers, Zuri Irvin, David Toll Mia Kalman and Matt DeGroot for filming and editing video each week so you can.
1: Love it or leave
6: it. Love it, or leave it.
2: Your home is your place of peace. It's clean. It's welcoming. <sighs>